0: Julian, grab a hold of that. Tell me that doesn't feel like a cock. You know, I'm not going to grab a hold of that one. Well, too late. It's already in your face and it's in your ears. It's another off the top podcast. (laughs) How's it going, everybody? How'd you like that one, Julian? Aggressive, but it uh, (laughs) definitely caught my attention. And that's what it's going to be about today. I mean, that intro is a little bit of foreshadowing of what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about just kind of like really weird and outrageous marketing schemes that have been done over time. And uh, Julian knows quite a bit about marketing. So he's going to probably be our tour guide for today about, you know, maybe, oh, this is actually interesting or what. But Julian, just so people know, what are kind of like the principles of marketing? What are they trying to do while marketing?
1: So really, the four fundamentals of marketing comes down to the four P's. So you have product, place. Price and promotion. And essentially, product is the product, place is where it's going to be, and how are you going to price it? Um, And We'll be focusing on the promotion aspect because to get your product out there, you're going to have to capture attention, attention some way, whether that's organic or through commercials or through, you know, viral campaigns. Um, there's going to be a way you have to get it there. As they often say on Shark Tank, how are people finding your product? And today we're going to go through some of the wild, um, wildly successful, wildly unsuccessful um, ways people have gotten your attention through marketing.
0: Yeah. And so I'll just start right away with one that I feel like a lot of a lot of people know about is Pizza Hut. So Pizza Hut had a Facebook post by their uh, Canadian branch, and it was uh, a post that literally said, do you love the smell? of a box of pizza hut being opened question mark and uh the whole thing was like i guess there's a picture of a cologne bottle on there and it got huge responses they were inundated with posts and comments and everything like that and in 2012 they actually made a pizza hut cologne
1: yeah that's uh that's not for me but seeing the way
0: that you know early early
1: 2000 late 2000s, early 2010s, I guess is the way you'd say. it. Very interesting use of Facebook is when, you know, brands really started to branch out. But um, Pizza Hut cologne is just not for me. I'm not a Pizza Hut guy. Sorry, Pizza Hut, if you're listening, Um, I would love to work with you, but your smells just don't do it for me.
0: But thank God it does it for a lot of people, because one of the most odd marketing schemes that I think probably worked flawlessly, um, you know, considering the hundreds of thousands of people that got involved off of kind of just one wacky post and then a whole cologne line launched. after. Well, not a line, but a whole cologne launched after that.
1: Yeah. And the, the amount of my, what I'm thinking about is the amount of money. Pizza Hut probably put into R&D to get a, a Pizza Hut flavored smell. I wonder if that cologne was like pepperoni scented or
0: strictly just pizza scented of whatever that waft of smell was. And here is a perfect example of a time where I'm going to ask our listeners, if you have the Pizza Hut cologne, if you know of somebody who has a Pizza Hut cologne or somebody that just kind of smells like Pizza Hut. Comment or you know, reach out to us and tell us what that smells like because there are inquiring minds that need to know these things. And the,
1: this makes me think of, um, I think recently the past three or four years, um, Burger King did a similar thing where they did like a very limited run of a Burger King Whopper um, scented cologne. And at that point, it didn't really catch on as well as they'd hoped. It was more like a viral thing where people were sharing about Burger King and, hey, maybe some people went there, but I just couldn't do a fast food
0: cologne. That's just me. Yeah. And I think that not a lot of people can, but maybe it's just the novelty of being I'm one of the few or check out this funky cologne I got that Pizza Hut only made for, you know, 100 customers, because that's what it truly was. And that particular instance was Pizza Hut didn't have a cologne. But when people started like freaking out, and like, they got a lot of attention, then they made the cologne in response to the huge popularity of that post. Yeah, and something that
1: I can think of very similar to that recently, is what IHOP has done. So the International ha- House of Pancakes, as we know, changed to IHOB for a little bit, um, International House of Burgers. And it kind of set like the internet world on storm, um, saying, like, who buys burgers from a pancake place? Why are they doing this? Is this real? Um, some of their bigger stores are actually changing their signs to IHOB. And it went on for like a couple months, and there are speculations that this wasn't affecting business. There are speculations that it helped business a lot. But in the end of the day, what it really did for that promotion piece was like, I hadn't been to IHOP in five or six years.
0: And I was talking about IHOP for no reason. Exactly. And I think that's what it's all about. Like you said, is to get the name of whoever's marketing what into the common lexicon of people or get it trending for instance. And so I I think that it's so odd to now have social media where you can reach millions of people in, you know, a single a couple strokes of a, you know, your fingers on a keyboard. And that's where I find, you know, this game of weird marketing schemes gets like, you know, turned on its head almost where you don't need to have money. You don't need to have a big production. You just have to have a good idea for something to go trending.
1: Yeah. Social media is a, a really big double-edged sword in, in marketing. You either do have this great campaign that really hits it with the audience and maybe, you know, plays in an emotion card or plays to people's interest, and you put a lot of money towards that. And that same campaign, you could put a ton of money towards and everyone's going to hate it or no one's, you know, everyone's going to ignore those ads um, or it isn't going to go viral. But, you know, that's how how things work in marketing. And one of those things that went huge on social media was the Make-A-Wish did this program called Bat Kid. And essentially what Bat Kid was, it was gave this kid who was diagnosed with cancer um, the, a day to be essentially Batman. So they turned San Francisco into Gotham city. For the most part, they scheduled different events around the city. So people could go to this and see, you know, bat kid roll up with Batman and take on penguin or take on Joker or Bane and just kind of spread through the city and the city truly adopted it and was everywhere. And was treating this kid like a hero. Um, and it ended up getting like 89 million impressions on social, like uh, I think three to four million views on YouTube, hundreds
0: of thousands of shares. And it was a huge hit for this kid. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't particularly hear about this, but it sounds like a lot of people did. And what I mean, that's such a there's so many things to go over in that whole instance of I mean, obviously, it's so commendable that they were doing something amazing for, you know, a child and helping him live their dream or, you know, his dream. Um, but also in the aspect of what a grand scheme of just reach that that propelled throughout the Internet and throughout people of, you know, close in San Francisco and around the world just crazy yeah really cool use of social there and one of those marketing campaigns that turned
1: out to be you know wildly successful for this kid brought awareness to make a wish people you know were donating hundreds of thousands of dollars while this was going on and being encouraged to um, just a great way to you know give this kid the day he wanted and um, help make a wish kind of uh, rise and grow awareness for them as well Um, and that's one of those ones that did you know tremendously well but as we said, there are some marketing ideas that are tremendously bad.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, one that I found very interesting was just the uh, another Burger King one. So I'm going to loop back, like you mentioned before, Burger King. But Burger King had a promo about basically, and get this, this is in very bad taste, but they had a or two things. I'll, I'll talk about the promo first. The promo was to sacrifice people for a Whopper is basically what the ad was about. And so, yeah, just off of first blush, you're like, what in the world is Burger King thinking? So the whole premise of it was, is that you download this Burger King app and you have to delete 10 of your Facebook friends. And then you'd get sent this free Burger King coupon, our free Whopper coupon for Burger King. And the thing, the whole thing was, is that people, the people that you deleted were notified that you deleted them and why. So you had this kind of just torturous, I don't know what this would be like, but just people unfriending uh, their friends left, right, and center, and ended up reaching over 200,000 people got, deleted 10 friends and got the free Whopper. So basically out of, you know, 50 cents worth of like material, they were taking down friendships. It's a, that's a very interesting method. I could kind of see the other side of, you
1: know, some people on Facebook have hundreds of thousands of friends that they merely know um, or don't know. And I could see that angle, but yeah, there's a a ruthless play to uh, decrease, you know, 10 of your friends for a, a burger that's usually, like, I don't know, might even be on their value menu at this
0: point. Yeah, truly. I mean, it was uh, – I think that it was, like, an, a success as far as, you know, the outreach, but also kind of, like, a moral – a moral – an amoral move by Burger King in the fact of uh, if you truly had just true friends on your friend like Facebook friend group and a company was asking you to ostracize – a 10 of them then that would be a very weird thing for like you know material gain and if those were your real friends granted you're right a lot of people have friends on Facebook that you know used to be their neighbor back in 2006 but imagine if you had to delete your grandma or your aunt or your dad from Facebook to get a whopper yeah, yeah, it'd be a tough decision.
1: I mean, put some a little bit more at stake and, you know, I'm definitely open to it. And, you know, one of the other campaigns that I think of was a really, really weird marketing ploy was when iPhone put the U2 free album on all iPhones. I don't understand why they thought this would just fly under the radar and be okay. Whose idea was like, you know what? let's invade everyone and in, in this update give everyone a YouTube a YouTube album I don't know how many people listen to YouTube at that point in time um, and then have to release extensive instructions on how to remove the album from your um, iPhone library which is absurd to me
0: that seems very totalitarian even for you know a company like Apple and the fact of you can only play with them if you are you know have one of their machines. So that's very interesting. And not to say that I wouldn't encourage Apple doing that with an off the top podcast episode, but I'm saying you two might be in a little bad taste. Maybe consider us. Yeah, exactly. It's just a really odd, something you don't see, I guess, as technology
1: improves, you just don't see companies placing albums or things onto your phone. It just feels like a weird invasion of privacy. And I don't know. It just didn't do very well. Like people were very upset. I mean, that's probably when some people even switched. Imagine being so upset about an album showing up on your phone that you switch from iPhone to Android or, you know, a different platform. (laughs)
0: It seems very, very weird. And maybe in the aspect of people find their phones as like a personal privacy or personal diary in the aspect of once you find that Apple, you know, added something to your phone that you didn't consent to. Uh, I mean, like, you know, actually like, oh, yeah, I would like you to put this YouTube album on my phone. Then I could see people being very upset in the fact of just reaching over that boundary that a company has, I mean, yeah, they have the power to put anything on your phone really, but should they? And especially to people's personal devices, that's where I think people got upset, but you know, I'm team Android, so I can't be, you know, Google's never put a YouTube album on my phone, which I'm thankful. For. Yeah. It just sounds like another, another marketing blunder um, that happened in today's society with, you know, many marketing blunders that happen all the time exactly and so i want to talk about one that was actually really interesting that i found almost a little alarming but very very in a very innocuous way so colgate had a marketing campaign to target children and first off yes in very very bad taste but get this it's actually a very interesting way of targeting Uh, you know, a child audience. And I feel like in a good natured way and, you know, for the benefit of society. So Colgate collaborated with a Thailand ice cream maker to have their sticks shaped as Colgate toothbrushes. So as the children were eating down to the core of the ice cream bar, they ended up seeing this toothbrush with a Colgate logo on to remind them to brush their teeth. Hmm, I've kind of a cool guerrilla marketing um, style
1: of doing things, a little out of the ordinary. And I think what's really clever there is, obviously these most of these kids, when I'm thinking about it, are you know aren't the the purchase makers. Um, so like in marketing, you'll have the decision makers and like the purchasers. And so essentially, what Colgate is doing here is a really interesting way of targeting the kids to tell their parents, you know, hey, or be aware, like, I need a Colgate toothbrush, like, it's good for ice cream or whatever it may be. Um, But a very interesting ploy to targeting
0: kids is always a little skeptical. Exactly. And so at first blush, when I saw that, I thought to myself, this could go really bad. I mean, targeting children or people that are very impressionable in the first place is, I would say, not one of those things that people would normally accept or think is a good idea to do. But in this instance, doing it for something, you know, that will improve the general health of somebody and granted in a very innocuous way, you know, just saying, Hey, you guys should brush your teeth more, especially if you're eating ice cream, Colgate with a wink and a thumbs up or whatever is more or less, you know, not hurting anybody and helping people out. But if they were like sneaking this into, let's say breaking into people's cars and leaving like Colgate toothbrushes, that would be a little different style or you know, sneaking into schools there, then we could, you know, draw the line. But I think Colgate danced a very fine line on this one and kind of walked out unscathed. Yeah, not a bad idea. Um, but a bad idea is I love a good poor good um use of
1: poor translation. And it happens all the time when, you know, you have a very good <clears throat> American or English speaking campaign, and you want to cut some costs and just use like a very simple translator to translate it to other countries. And sometimes, most of the time, it's okay, but there's few times where it comes back to bite these companies in the ass. And a good example is um, Ford had a pretty good marketing campaign for their Pinto. And unfortunately, uh, they opened this to international and so they're marketing the Pinto in Brazil and because the term because the term in Brazilian Portuguese is a little bit different um it kind of backfired so when they're marketing Ford is marketing their Pinto um it roughly translated into Brazil into tiny male genitals no and i, I uh, I don't believe uh, that sat well with um, the males trying to purchase a car at that point in time.
0: That nothing would single handedly ward me away from making a purchase than knowing that people would correlate what I am driving in, or own, or am around for me having a you know small piece, so to speak. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like the
1: reverse effect of driving an overly sized truck. Um, it's the same thing. Tiny male genitals. Pinto. Now you know. And another one very similar was Braniff, in- Braniff International. The uh, air the airplanes translate a slogan. Essentially, it was fly in leather. Um, they you know embroidered these onto their seats, and when it went and translated into Spanish, the mix-up became um, fly naked which could be tempting to some, could be off-putting to some. Uh, I thought that was interesting to have embroidered on your seats when the Spanish person comes in, the the shock on their face to read, hmm, fly
0: naked, looks like I will. Yo, is, uh, could you get mad at somebody if they started stripping at that point? If you were going to, you know, if you put something on the seat that kind of condoned an action, would that... N- fact you know give freedom to the participants or the passengers to follow suit that's quite an interesting just horrible translation and it's such an oddity to have companies make almost like elementary blunders like that yeah um i guess for the the brand of one it uh, depends on how you felt about flying naked as long as you didn't drive a ford Pinto, you'd be okay yeah in that case, I mean, imagine what a hard time it would be if you figured out what Ford Pinto was all about in Brazil and <laughs> you all of a sudden were suggested to fly naked in that same sense I mean that's that's just kicking people while they're down, guys <laughs> exactly um another big one i I was thinking
1: about was um in two thousand four. Oprah did her, you know, big giveaway. Right. And Pontiac thought it would be a great idea to give Oprah 204 um, or 220 free Pontiacs to give to the audience. And that's the meme. You know, you get a car, you get a card, you get a car. Everyone's freaking out and everyone's getting a car. Um, awesome. But on the back end, right. It was kind of ill willed. Because those people who got the car essentially still had to pay the sales tax on it. So um, I believe it was 7000 for each individual who had a car, right? So obviously people freaked out. And then it turned out Pontiac had to in turn pay all of the sales tax for all of those people um even if people were you know selling the car and all that and putting people in different tax brackets they dealt with a bunch of lawsuits and you know it was awesome because everyone got a car but the meme is you get a car you get a car not you get a pontiac you get a pontiac so it just kind of washed everything out for them
0: wow Looks like that one bitch in the butt, didn't it, Pontiac? But, I mean, nowadays, I think it's a survival, you know, it's called survival bias when you only think about companies that have survived tough times. And obviously Pontiac's not one of them. So that's so interesting that they ended up doing something so kind of, you know, largesse and, you know, giving like such a charitable thing to have it like turn around and just attack them and horribly you know, horribly like screw everything up and make things so much harder. Yeah, that's not the not the greatest of ways to get your product out there, I would say. Exactly. But that reminds me, I want to circle back to your Brazil, um, you know, the blunder with Ford and the Pinto in Brazil. So there was actually a really cool one that I found in Brazil, and it happened to be with a Brazilian toy maker. So before I butcher this name, I want to apologize, but a company called Volta Ferroama uh, was a toy maker in Brazil and they had discontinued a toy train. And to figure out if, you know, the market wanted this toy train back, what they ended up doing was almost creating a a life or, you know the toy train running it through a city. So what they had is a toy train running through 12.9 miles of track and they had volunteers that would um, extend the track. So they would, once the toy train rolled across the track, they would pick up the track, run to the beginning, set the track down and did that for 12.9 miles. And it ended up becoming like such a success and warm welcome that they ended up, re remanufacturing those toy trains wow that's pretty cool that's a that's a lot of track i just
1: picture you know them only having like 60 pieces of track and continuously having to run from the back to the front to do it but um that's pretty cool it'd be you know if you live there it'd be something interesting to see i bet you there are a few people who try to like follow you know, the train for the, the full the half marathon, 13 miles, essentially.
0: Um, but a very clever way to get back in business. Exactly. And in that sense, I feel like it's such a cool idea, too, because of, you know, the people that I'll see just a toy train running through a city and uh, having that almost be childlike and mysterious in the sense of what is going on and, you know, leaving people asking questions and wanting to know more. Which I feel like is somewhat of the goal of marketing is getting people to think about and talk about what you're trying to do. Yeah, and one of the things um, MegaMind the movie did
1: really well to get people thinking and talk about them was they did uh, Mega Month. And essentially what Mega Month was, was trying to break various world records throughout this month to promote uh, Megamind. And they broke, you know, quite a bit. But the biggest one they were most notable for was they set the world record for number of people dressed as superheroes in one place at a time. And that was 1,580 people. So a really cool way to kind of promote a movie by breaking world records. And, you know, once you break that world record, Mega Mind's in there for a mega month and all these people also are getting recognition. It's bringing all these people together for a fun cause and be in the great Guinness Book of World Records and kind of keep that that name in there for a while and just have some fun while doing it.
0: I think that's the perfect way to go after almost a marketing, uh, scheme or, uh, you know, ploy in a very grand scheme and lighthearted way and almost fun instance of, Let's just get people that are passionate about something and let them know about something that we think they would be passionate in. Just like, you know, Megamind being somewhat of a superhero animation movie and having those people get involved is, I feel like, the perfect direct line of, you know, we have this. We want to get to these people. How do we do it? So very clever by them. Yeah. And uh, one of the last ones I have on my list
1: is um just really poor taste so obviously you know the past couple years in the in the states there's been some tension between uh, law enforcement and different activist group and you know some tensions between different activist group and different supporters and pepsi came out with this unity commercial where they had hired kendall jenner to be the the star, and the premise of the video is Kendall Jenner's. You know, there's this big riot going downtown, and all these people are fighting with the police for you know what they what they believe in, and you know Kendall Jenner somehow lands this really you know crisp and cold Pepsi and is walking through the crowd and hands this Pepsi to you know law enforcement and then everyone's buddies again and once that aired yeah people flipped out like saying that Pepsi was using um you know the platform to commercialize their product that's not how it works you know like making people look super simple minded um like Kendall Jenner was getting a lot of backlash for being the model in there and it was set to be this giant worldwide campaign for probably you know 3 to 5 weeks and ended up getting pulled within like the first couple of days it got it was airing
0: Wow. I mean, I definitely remember that Pepsi commercial and, you know, people having very, very polarizing takes and ideas on it. And I think that that's, you know, a lesson learned for companies to, you know, tread lightly. Uh, If you're trying to get creative with the marketing scheme, that's perfect. Just make sure that, you know, it's always in good taste because you will get burned if it is not or, you know, like it's seen as not at the time. Yeah. There's always a lot of angles in marketing to
1: understand. And um, sometimes you got to take consideration to what you're doing. Um, you know, is it going to help you in the long run? Is it going to affect you in the short run? Are you going to lose money? Are you going to make money? How's it all going to work? Um, but I mean, you, you just
0: got to capture attention and hope hope all works well, I guess. Exactly. Well said, Julian. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I want to thank you guys for listening one more time and, you know, listening to us on all 12 platforms that we're on and, you know, reaching out to us with kind words and, you know, just saying you're enjoying the podcast and whoever sent me uh, this air guitar that I got in the mail, I really appreciate it. So if you want to send me more of those air guitars, I'm more than willing to accept them and I'm already getting a lot better. So I'd really appreciate that.
1: Yeah. And if uh, any of you have, you know, the Pizza Hut cologne or the Burger King cologne, reach out to us via email at the off the top G, off the off the top cast Gmail. Um, or you know, find us on social at off the top cast on all social platforms. Get in touch with us. We'd love to interact with you, and we we thank you for listening.
0: Peace.